Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray you enjoy the teaching of God's Word. May the Holy Spirit encourage, exhort, and comfort you. We invite you to come and see what the Lord is doing at Northgate. Come and grow with us. May you be blessed by the God of hope. Lord, we pray that you'll bless your Word this morning. You're faithful, you're good, Jesus. Teach us, remind us, Holy Spirit, just be here today. Pray this in your precious name, amen, amen. So we've been working through wisdom literature, specifically most of the time through the Proverbs, thinking about practical things we can apply to our life. And last week, Doug encouraged us the things that the Lord hates, and they all have to do probably as we get through to relationship. And at the end, the one thing that God really hates or detests is discord among brethren. That's a real practical thing, relationships. We've talked about money, we've talked about forgiveness, we've talked about just seeking what is good and right. But today I want to talk about something that is absolutely real to everyone in this room. There is no reason that this should not apply to you because Scripture says it does apply to you. What I'm going to talk about today is this word temptation. So God's word tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. When God is faithful, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I don't think anyone wakes up any morning and says, I want to blow it today. I want to fall. I want to get angry. I want to fear. I want to be anxious. I want to give in to that addiction. I want to look at what I shouldn't. I want to eat what I should, whatever, you just fill in the blank. I don't think there's anybody who would say, yeah, today's the day, I want to fail. No, right? But we all know that every day, because it's common to man, Scripture would say that we will face difficulty and challenges, and not all of our challenges are the same, but they are because sin is real, the, the enemy is real, and he wants to take us out, that we can be convinced that we will face temptation, but we are not alone because everyone else is facing temptation as well. But you have a promise through Scripture that you can have victory. Amen. We don't have to look back and say, I knew it was coming and I blew it. We can say, I knew it was coming, but there is a way that I can overcome. 
If you are familiar with Proverbs, you will know the beginning of this book deals with a father who's exhorting his son. Basically, chapters 1 through 8. And if you're really familiar with it, you will know chapters 5 and 7, where he gives advice to his son about, you know it, the immoral woman, the adulterous woman. And I'm not just going to be speaking to men today about one thing, because we can take what the father is saying and apply it to any of our temptations. We can think in terms of Old Testament, where we know that God should be our husband, like Israel, bride of Christ, church, bride of Christ. And we don't, in sin, want to go have an affair with sin. Amen? So we can take principles, no matter what it is, in your life, no matter what your struggle is. And the important thing is, don't look at anyone else. This morning, oh yeah, well I know they struggle with this, and they struggle with that, and they're doing this, and they struggle with this. Let's apply it to ourselves. This idea of this advice about this adulterous woman, we'll just call it sin, this promiscuous woman, Slip whatever you want in there and learn from the Father's advice. There's three things I'm going to tell you as practical tips to help you in the midst of this danger. And And I will say a couple other things. If you think you're strong and no temptation can get you, you're already sunk. And again, God's Word says that says it very clearly. If you think you're standing strong, again in Corinthians, be careful not to fall. And that's why, you know, if I say, oh, it's just, oh, it's for the congregation and not for me, I'm in trouble. If I think that I can't fall, probably I will. You're in the greatest danger if you think that you can't be tempted, nor can you fall. You know, I was listening to a sermon about this, and the reality is, I guess he has statistics, but people think they're stronger than they really are. Well, I can handle this. You ever had your kids say that? Like, oh, I can handle this. Don't worry, Dad. I got this. And you're like, oh, just be careful. I've been there. No, I got this. I got this. I've been through the fire. I got this. I can handle this. No. Be careful, because sometimes we think our willpower is greater than it really is. So we need to know some tactics. We need to know some practical things that will help us. And in chapter 7, verse 1, the father says, Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. This author is super practical Solomon, we believe, in speaking, don't, okay, do that. And here is why. Okay, three things to know. When you're facing temptation, to help you, maybe a little practically. Number one, and you've probably heard this before, but that's okay. You have to know your enemy 
And you have to know his tactics. You know that? The devil doesn't have any new tricks. So we need to know the tricks that he has. Now, I don't believe the immoral woman is our enemy or sin is our enemy. It's the devil that is our enemy. And the father in Proverbs 7 and a bit in 5 describes how this lady looks, operates, and even the time of day when she does her best tempting. How about that? Well, what is she? And if you go through it, I'm not going to read it all. She has a crafty heart, it says. She's seductively dressed. She's sly. She's brash. She looks good. She talks the talk, even spiritual talk. I went and did my sacrifice, you'll read. I gave my peace offering. She knows what smells good. She her perfume reeks <laughs> on her bed, right? She knows how to talk to this fellow too. I was looking for you. You're just the one I was looking for. How about that? Come. I was looking for you. Come. Let's take our fill to the morning. We know this young man, as the father describes him, doesn't do well. And we'll talk about that later. Everything she does tries to make pleasure, the senses, the heart of this young man. Like, what would make you feel good? What do you want to hear? What sense can I get rolling in you? Your eyes, your mind through speech, what you smell, everything. Now, it's incredible. Because our enemy, the devil, is exactly the same. And as we can look at these things, he says to us, no matter the temptation, it's okay. You deserve it. No matter what pain you're feeling, because pain is real. And Satan comes, well, as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11, 14, you've had a bad day. It's so difficult for you. How about a little help? How about a little pleasure? How about, you know, even the internal sins? How about a little anxiety? Because, you know, believe it or not, even when we worry, sometimes we think it makes us feel better. Instead of trusting God, it feels better to worry about something. You think I'm joking, I'm not. 
And the devil comes alongside, no matter what it is, and he says, what about you? And, and how can we meet that problem in your life with a little instant gratification that will quench your pain? Oh, you deserve it. You don't think the devil operates? Well, look all the way back to Genesis, how the serpent tempted Eve. First in her mind. Did God really say that? What about you? You could be like Him. Right? All about her. All about what she's supposedly missing. All about what God is not and what He said. Is it really true? And then it goes on to say, the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted it because of the wisdom it would give her. There's a serpent. Now think of the temptation in your life. Looks good. Media gratification. I'm in pain or whatever you're feeling. Stressed. Maybe you just want pleasure. And there it comes. And the devil with his tricks starts to lie to you. But his lies, I've never seen someone just like, t- t- yeah, we'll talk about this, but there's a process in this. And it starts here, and he tempts you. And it's not like your needs or your desires aren't real because of what you faced, but the devil never, ever talks about the consequences Satan in temptation never talks about the shame, never talks about the pain, never talks about the broken relationships. He only talks about the self-relief that we can have in the moment to what we're feeling. The devil's never like, oh, you're going to feel awful about this. You're going to crush your marriage. The devil never says to you, oh, you know, it's okay to say, don't worry about gossip. It's going to break that relationship. Oh, don't worry about fear. It's going to destroy the decisions you make and hurt other people. That's not how the devil operates. But you don't, if you don't know what he's doing, you're at a loss to defeat him and the lies he gives. The best way to defeat a lie is to know the truth. And this is so important when we face temptation that we have such a knowledge of who God is and we can see through the garbage of the fake light that the devil brings to say that's not right. And how do we know that? By knowing God's word. That's how Jesus defeated temptation. And when the devil saying, oh, look at the bread and look at this. And, and if you do this and, and Jesus was like, no, because I know the truth. And the devil, because it's common to all of us, even probably before we leave this building, is going to lie to you so you can justify something that's wrong in God's sight. And you will have a choice to recognize that. Now remember, don't look at anyone else. Daniel, look at yourself to how I can justify what I struggle with when God says something else. 
And so the dad is telling his son, this is how she dresses. This is what she's going to say. This is what she smells like. And she even comes in the evening. Oh, yeah. Praise God for that advice. You know, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And when any one of those armor pieces that God gives us in Ephesians 6, right after that verse, most of them have to deal with that belt of truth. And through that we know righteousness. And through that we know our salvation. And through that we know how we get peace. We have to know who our enemy is and what he says. If we know our enemy, number two, know the circumstance and the process of how temptation leads to sin. Do you know, as you read chapter 7, it's almost like a movie unfolding in front of us. And the one thing I've learned about temptation, you know what? It's not wrong. It's not sin. That's what James chapter 1 tells us. There's a process, as I mentioned before. It's when we have these desires and we think on them and we try to meet them in the wrong place. We sit on them, we think about them, and that leads to our action of doing them. You see, sin happens when temptation entices us. We sit and think on it and it drags us away. That's how it works. So when I'm tempted, it's not a sin. You ever been driving down the road? You have a temptation. Where did I get that thought? Whether it's fear or anxiousness or thinking about external sin that's not good and you're like, I wasn't even thinking about that. And bam! You ever had that? Well, if you say you didn't, you're lying. Like, why did I all of a sudden so angry to the point of sin? I'm not saying anger. Anger is not sin. But when anger leads us to action, but why, where, why, mm, ah, where did this come from? Right? Because we do have desires and even sexual sin, like where did that come from? And this process, the problem is when we sit, that thought comes and we like, oh, 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 yeah, and that person treated me like that and oh, yeah, and oh, yeah, and then all of a sudden, five minutes later, like you're shooting them. Yeah, you think I'm joking. We start thinking and a name pops in our head and all of a sudden we think of everything evil that they've done to us and we want to like pull their fingernails out. Yeah, I've definitely been there. (laughs) Maybe not you. Fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. You have that bill to pay and all of a sudden you get nervous. Instead of trusting God, you're, you're on idea number 14. And God said, just simply trust me. James is very clear that we need to endure testing and temptation. It develops something in us. It's common to all men. We've read it. Trials are true. The world is difficult. But there's some real practical advice in this. Actually, in Proverbs chapter 5, and I'll describe it like this. The father says about the woman to the son, get away. Is that clear enough? Hightail it. 
Or 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. And we say, yeah, when I was young, I was tempted. I'm not tempted anymore. Don't just be narrowed in on one little thing. I would say, run from anything that stimulates sin in your life. That thought, bam, boom, turn the other way. And that's what the Father says. Come on, don't go there. Don't go to her door. Actually, turn the other way and boom, get in a sprint. I was saying to Amy last night, I heard in a teaching this week, how is it as humans, when there's a line of how far we can go, we try to figure out how close we can get to the line before we cross it. Maybe when you are young, or maybe it's something else. Well, how close can I get to what is wrong? You know? And in the sermon, he's referring to his fiance, and he's asking his mentor, how far is too far? How far can I go with my girlfriend? What is too far? And his mentor's like, wrong question, buddy. Because if you're thinking that, you're going to fail. And you just fill it in. How far can I get to what is worry? How far can I get to what is not trusting? How far, how close can I get to what is sin after anger? How close can I get into unforgiveness? You have to, here's the line, God, let me just like, can I just come up here? Yeah, we do that. Do you know that? We actually do that. And where the author of Proverbs is saying, if that's the line, 180, boom, the other way. Because if you want to snuggle up to sin, you're going to fall into sin. That's what the author is saying. And he's encouraging us, through this, through his son, don't go that way. I guess the old proverb, maybe you heard it before, if, if sin is a bird, and I've mentioned it many, many, many times, especially to the youth group, if it's a bird and that's that thought, you can't let that, you can't invite that bird on your head. You can't let that bird build a nest on your head. And that bird's wanting to land. That's what temptation wants to do. It wants to land on your head. You can't be like, oh yeah, that would be good. And oh yeah, you gotta hustle. You gotta move. Actually, I love it in scripture because it doesn't just tell us to turn away. It tells us to turn to. Not to sin, to God. That's why Galatians is very clear in chapter 5 when it says, walk in the Spirit that you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not like, oh, oh, oh. And I said, you know what? It doesn't matter what it is, but young men with pornography, like, oh, yeah, I'm fine with my computer. And I say, you know what? Drastic sin takes drastic decisions. And if you can't handle it, you have someone else put the password on the Internet, you get rid of it. But once you're serious, you'll have victory. But if you want to snuggle up and see how close you can get it, you're going to fall and fall. Okay, it might last a week. Oh, I'm good for a month. Oh, okay, this week I made, I made it six hours or six weeks. You want to deal with it? Then listen to the Father when he says, Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. End of story. 
You want to get practical? <laughs> Here it is. Right? And we need to take that. I need to take that. And again, we turn to the beauty of who God is. We turn to Him. We bring things into the light. We speak about them. And, you know, in the midst of this immoral woman uh, in chapter uh, 5 and 7, we got this wonderful thing at the end of 5. And, you know, I mentioned it's the sexual sin. So what does he say? He says, drink water from your own cistern, your own running water from your own well. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Be enraptured with her love. Turn away what seems so good and turn to what is right and his way. And the author's saying... Come on, don't go there when I've given you this. Don't go to sin for us when we have a beautiful husband, God, who loves us so much. And why would we turn to only medicates for a moment when we have someone who will hold us forever? It's because we think immediately and we've been taught that I need a solution now. When God wants to in, teach us endurance and patience and develop our relationship with him, which is like an old couple married 50 years holding hands and everyone's like, oh, that's so amazing. I want that. And God says, I have that for you. I have that for you. Know the process. Know what's going on. David, the classic story in the Old Testament. What is the process? He's not doing what he's supposed to do. When he falls with Bathsheba, he's supposed to be at war. You know, you've heard it. He's on the rooftop. Oh, there's a bathing beauty over there. You think he looked once and then got her telephone number? I'm telling you, he probably got his binoculars out. That's what happened. And he fixated on it. And it led to the sin where he should have got off the roof, got down the stairs, and turned to God. Oh, David, I can't believe him. What about you? Apply it in your life to whatever it is. And on the other hand, we have Joseph, who was tempted, right? Potiphar's wife. And come sleep with me. And, and you're this. And by the way, those people who think she's old and dec- decrepit, I'm telling you, I don't read that story like that. She's probably rich, powerful. And for whatever they look like then to be good looking, I bet you she was. And you think Joseph was like, as an 80-year-old woman's like, oh, it was easy for him not to delve in that temptation. Baloney. Baloney. But he said... I'm out of here. Grabbed his robe. He burned it out. Didn't take my clothes. I'm getting out of here. He said, I can't sin against my God. I can't do this. This is not right. And we need a mind change. Okay. Let's move on. Point clear. Good. Know our enemy. Know his tactics. Know the process. Listen to what the Father says, and when you feel that temptation comes, turn and turn to God, walk in the Spirit. And finally, in the end, know God, fear God, and know what He says. Amen? Because I think the longer I live in this life, I'm realizing within the church and in Christian culture, we are 
taking away and creating an absence of the fear of God. We are. And boy, by the way, I love talking about God's love, God's grace, and God's goodness. They're actually my favorite topics, and there's actually where we should land all the time. And they're actually because of those things, that's why we do fear God. Because he's absolutely incredible, not to the point that I'm fear and I'm paralyzed with fear, but I know who he is, and I know because he loves me, I fear him, and what he says is true, because he loves me so much, all that stuff will hurt me. It's like if you think of a perfect father in your mind, and all of our fathers weren't perfect, but you know their love, so he says, don't touch the stove. Well, he's not saying that so he can spank you if you touch it or pinch your fingers. He's saying that because he doesn't want you to burn your fingers. And you respect him and fear him enough to be like, well, in the moment when you're young and immature, I'm not going to touch the stove because my dad said not to it, and I don't want to cross my dad. Because in his love, don't think of your heavenly father. Think, Think of the heavenly father. Don't think of your father. But because in his love, he disciplines and there's true fear. But sometimes we don't fear the consequences. We don't fear the consequences of our actions. And God says, don't do that. Don't go that way. And this father here in Proverbs, what he's trying to do is protect his son because he loves his son. And he's warning him because he knows He says in verse 27 of chapter 7, listen, this harlot, this promiscuous woman, her house is the road to the grave. How do you like that for language? How about this on the next line? Her bedroom is the den of death. (laughs) You want a straightforward... uh... (laughs) So what... Again, was, oh yeah, I can't believe this son, sexual urges, all this trash, you know. Yeah, what about in your life what it is? In my life, fear is the den of death, Daniel. It's a grave, you don't want to go there. And what, you know what, God loves us so much, he says, don't go that way, it's going to hurt you. And he's honest enough to speak truth into your life instead of flattering you saying, oh, it's okay. My love will cover all your mistakes. Well, of course it will, but the Heavenly Father doesn't want you to be hurt in the midst of knowing He will forgive you because there's always consequences to our actions. My friend Andy Fleur's dad used to say to him, don't go that way. Just like that. Son, I've been there. Don't. Go that way. And God, our Heavenly Father, when temptation comes, because He loves you, wants you to fear His knowledge, His truth, that He is all-knowing, and says, don't go that way. Not only do we know God and fear God, but we fear God because it's incredible grace and love. And I want to tell you something. God is just waiting for you to call out in the midst of your temptation. And there's times where it comes wave after wave. And again, internal, external sin. You apply whatever it is. Doesn't it seem sometimes it's just like unbearable? Okay, you think I... I feel like I'm talking to the wall today, folks. Sorry. I hope I'm getting somewhere. I know this. I've been a Christian my whole life. Pay attention. You're the one who needs to hear it. Do you hear that? 
There are times, and I can remember specifically sitting on my couch where the waves, whatever the temptation was in my life, and just saying, God, you have to get me through. Have you been there? God, I can't do it. God, you have to get me through. It seems like, oh, every thought just attacking me. I want to tell you something. God's so faithful. And that's the first verse we talked about. There's always a way of escape. And I think that always is the surrender and the calling out to Him and His grace. God, empower me when I cannot empower myself. Empower me when I'm anxious and believing lies or I'm fearful. Empower me, whether it's sexual or gossip or whatever it is. Empower me, God. I need your help. And as you call out to Him, I believe 100% He will help you. But if you want to do it yourself, good night and goodbye. But we have a God who loves us so much. As we call out to his grace, he is so amazing that he will give you the endurance you need today. I, you, for whatever it is, there's an invitation to victory in the truth of what God says. Amen? Don't ever think because of God's grace that he does not want a holy people. Sin is never excusable to medicate our pain. And God has a better way. He's always forgiving. He will never, ever not forgive you. That's God's word. But he says, I have victory. And I have something greater than any painkiller that the world offers. It's my presence in your life. Don't go here. Oh, this feels so good in the moment. Turn here for eternity. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Devil, get lost. We hate you. We hate your lies. Just in this prayer, just to let you know, the devil wants to take you down. Do you understand that? The devil wants to take away your effectiveness for the kingdom of God. He wants you to grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants you to quench the Holy Spirit in your life. But God wants to use you. He has a plan for you. And sin is not it. But He wants to open you up to have freedom no matter what has happened that you can be used for His glory. And that's the truth. And so, God, we simply say, help us in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, to abide, to choose your word. God, we can't do it ourselves. So we're saying, Holy Spirit, like that time on the couch for me, God, I can't do it. God, I can't do it. Each of us this morning says, God, would you do it in our life? And we say very clearly, it is not us, 
We don't have confidence in our flesh or ourselves. Be where we stand, but we submit to you. I don't care how strong your mind is in this room. Unless you submit to the Lord Jesus Christ in every circumstance, you will not have spiritual success. And so, God, we ask for you. Jesus had to have the angels help him. That's crazy thought. They came and ministered to him after he defeated the devil in the garden. Oh, man. Would you come, Holy Spirit, send send your spirit, the truth, angels, to empower us, to minister to us, to walk the way you want us to walk. I pray that this would be a watershed moment, a breaking, a breakthrough for those who are in bondage to whatever it is, to be set free by the grace and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to have continual struggle. Oh, man, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be free today. Lord, we think of our forgiveness. Oh, man, this is not condemnation. We look back. We see our failure. I see my failure. Man, I see my failure this week. But I am free in the blood of Jesus. I admit it. I confess it. And I trust your blood and I walk away thinking, I don't want to sin or fail anymore. And God is the lifter of our heads. As David was walking, kicked out of Jerusalem, and that man was throwing the sand and the rocks and accusing him. Oh, I wrote that psalm. God is the lifter of my head. His forgiveness is the lifter of my head. I walk not because I'm perfect. I walk because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And may we know it today. We don't lift our head in our strength. We lift our head through the power of the Holy Spirit because we have an accuser of the brethren. But we are free and clean because of the work of Christ on the cross. So as you take communion today, would you know that? Would you believe that? And would you walk in the truth of that? The elements are in the back. Just enjoy Jesus if you need prayer. By the way, if you're facing temptation, man, bring it in the light. Oh, I can't do that. You know, that's the devil. That's your pride. If you're struggling in sin, get it out. Get it in the light. And temptation will be so much easier to handle. But if you want to live in the darkness in your own strength, you're going to lose. Get it out. Get it out to somebody today. And find victory in Jesus. Let's enjoy the work of the cross today. Thanks for listening. If you want any information about our church, check us out at northgateministry.com. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, you can listen at YouTube at Northgate Ministry.